My guest today has read over 1,200 pages of marketing research papers and summarized this knowledge into three practical marketing insights that every marketer should know. He promises that these insights contain no opinions, no sketchy data, and definitely no fluff. The insights he'll share are from papers only just published, so it won't be the same old wisdom you've heard before. Plus, he's fairly certain at least one of them will boost your profits. All of that coming up. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, folks. You are listening to Nudge with me, your host, Phil Agnew. Today, I am very excited to welcome to the show a man I've wanted to have on Nudge for months. Like me, he has spent his spare time trawling through marketing research papers, which means he's up to speed on the very latest research in the field. This research is based on science from top business schools with no opinion, no flawed data, and no BS. My guest is Thomas McKinley, founder of the fantastic weekly newsletter, Ari. Here he is introducing himself. Thank you so much for having me, Phil. Hey, everyone. I'm Thomas. I'm the founder of Ari, which stands for Academic Research in Your Hands. So along with my team at Ari, I analyze the latest scientific research that gets published in marketing. And I turn it into three-minute practical recommendations that you can apply to improve your business. Today, Thomas is going to share three practical bits of marketing advice from the latest scientific research. But why only three? Why didn't I get Thomas to share four or five? Well, there's good reason. See, according to Thomas, when describing a product or service, marketers should try to list just three benefits. Not two benefits, not four, just three. Here's why. When you're describing your product or service and why people should buy it, stick to your three best claims. Then stop there, not more. Don't list out as many positives as possible. I know it's very tempting, but the scientific results are clear. Don't do it. When you go beyond three positive claims, the message becomes less persuasive. So, for example, four positive claims on a product's packaging were 10% less persuasive than three. And as you add more claims, you know, five, six, seven, it got worse and worse. So this is research by Shu and Carlson from the Journal of Marketing. In the study, researchers showed participants a product, for example, a box of cereal. Participants were asked to read the product packaging to learn about the product. Some of the participants are shown the exact same packaging, but with fewer than three benefits listed on the product. Some others are shown more than three benefits, and some were shown just three. Those that saw just three benefits found the claims to be 10.4% more persuasive than other variants. Too few benefits, and it's not very persuasive. Too many, and it's not very believable. The study tested a broad set of objects, including shampoo, a politician, restaurants, the cereal box like I mentioned, and even convincing a friend to date someone. 
So the principles are clearly widely applicable. In fact, Thomas suggests all sorts of ways that we can apply this. So for example, you could say that your portable charger that you're selling is pocket-sized, rapid charging, waterproof. You might be tempted to add, oh, you can also choose from plenty of funky colors. It has multiple ports, but don't do that. Keep that for the details, keep that for the fine print, that weakens your message. Now, why does this happen? People know that you're trying to persuade them to buy something. When this happens, they, they're a bit more skeptical and alert, and too many positive claims start to quickly become too good to be true. But why three positive claims and not one or two? Because three is the lowest number uh, at which we start to see pattern. So at three, we identify this pattern and we feel we have enough information to make a decision. And it, it's it's not by chance that already in ancient times, three was considered the perfect number. It really is. So stick to three. It's always tempting to showcase more than three benefits. After all, most marketers can think of dozens of reasons why someone should pick their product. But going beyond three makes the claims less believable. Imagine someone's trying to convince you to go on a date with their friend. They could say she's kind, funny, and attractive. Or they could say she's kind, funny, attractive, charismatic, intelligent, loyal, and warm. That second description should sound better, but it doesn't. It's less believable, and it dilutes the person's best features. There's evidence of this too. In one 2012 study called The Presenter's Paradox, participants were shown a hotel. Some customers saw a hotel with a five-star pool. Other customers saw the same hotel with a five-star pool and a three-star restaurant, plus some other benefits. Now, we predict that showing that second option with all the benefits should increase customer demand, but it doesn't. Researchers Weaver, Garcia, and Schwartz found that the willingness to pay fell when multiple benefits were bundled together. Why? Because it dilutes your message. Okay, time for another bit of wisdom from Thomas. This time I asked him about a study he'd mentioned before, a study that suggests marketers should showcase the costs behind their product. Rather than hide the amount a coffee shop spends on its beans, this study suggests that you should stick it on your menu. Here's why. Yeah, this is this is an extremely powerful study that was published in Marketing Science in April 2020 from researchers at Harvard Business School and uh, University of San Francisco. It's key that you convince people to trust you. You know, trust you that your products are high quality, first and foremost, but also that you'll be fair to them, uh, that you will take care of them if something goes wrong. You know, the product breaks or they want a refund. It's crucial. And one very effective, extremely underused way comes from a recent Harvard study. Be transparent and show and explain your product's costs. For example, on your website, you can show a breakdown of your product's costs, maybe with an infographic or a list. You can say, this is how much the materials cost. This is how much our salaries cost. This is how much we spent on research and development. And the effect is really strong. So for example, in one of the experiments on, this was a $115 wallet sold online. 
once the researchers started showing the costs, sales were 22% higher, which is huge. And one objection that I hear a lot about implementing this, and perhaps why it is so rare to see this, is that people are worried that customers will see how much profit they're making and they will be put off by it. You really don't need to worry about this. People don't mind that you make a profit. They, they know that you, you need to and that you will. They appreciate that transparency more. In experiments, in fact, this technique worked smoothly for profit margins of up to 55%, which is big. And they didn't test further than that. So it might even work for even higher profit margins. So really try this out. Don't worry too much about it. See how it impacts your conversions. Thomas mentioned that this principle works with wallet sales, but that's not the only product that the researchers tried this out with. The researchers found that sales of chicken noodle soup bowls in the Harvard campus canteen increased 21.1% when the costs were disclosed. They also found that people were 16.1% more likely to bid for an Everlane backpack when they saw cost information about it. Plus, purchase intent went up by 14.2% when participants saw the costs attached to a $4 chocolate bar. So seeing the costs behind this $4 chocolate bar, for example, that $1.39 went on cocoa butter and $0.17 went on packaging, seeing those costs increases the intent to buy. Loyal listeners of Nudge will know that this is in part due to the labour illusion. We value things more when we see the cost and effort that's gone into creating it. And I can think of no better example of this than the company where I work, Buffer. At Buffer, we sell social media scheduling software. Now, that's not particularly unique, but what is unique is our approach to radical transparency. Head to Buffer.com and you'll see a huge amount of information about the company. You'll see where our costs go, like how 72% of our costs go on salaries, while 2% goes on our annual retreats. You can also see our current revenue, the amount of customers we have, and our churn rate. Plus, you can see all of our salaries. Seriously, head there now and you can see how much I'm paid. Now, we haven't run any scientific tests with these transparent metrics, but there is evidence that it works. For one, Buffer has easily been one of the most successful companies in the field, with more customers than most competitors combined. Plus, we can measure how this transparency captures people's attention. Our salaries page is the 13th most viewed page on the site with 4,000 views a month. Being transparent captures attention. It builds trust and ultimately encourages people to pick Buffer. It works in the lab. It works for us. So I think it's probably worth trying for you. Okay, those are the first two bits of advice. Now it is time for a quick break. But before I go, Let me tell you, and this is serious, every single penny I'm paid for this ad break goes into creating this show. So thank you for listening to this ad. You are helping me create a better podcast. And I promise to let you know if I ever use this ad money for a holiday. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. 
It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. Welcome back to the show. Now for this final tip, we are going to cover product descriptions. Thomas wants to share lots of different tweaks he suggests marketers make when describing their products. Here's his first bit of advice. Many of these tweaks of descriptions are very, very easy to do. Uh, and this is what I love about a lot of this science that gets published. Uh, these are not complex changes, right? You can just slightly tweak what you already have. And a prime example of this is how you describe your colors. Google does this in a really good way with its devices. Uh, for example, instead of saying off-white, they call that snow. Instead of saying light green, they call the color lemongrass. What happens when you use these you know, emotional, fun, creative, and engaging color names is that people tend to like your product more, and then they'll be more likely to buy it. Such a simple change. In this study, researchers Elizabeth Miller and Barbara Kahn asked 143 participants to imagine they were ordering a sweater from a catalogue. They were presented with six colour names and asked how satisfied they were with the sweater and how likely they'd be to buy again. Some of the participants saw standard colour names like dark red, light yellow and white, while others saw descriptive colour names like cherry red, lemon yellow and ivory white. Those descriptive colour names made people more satisfied, more likely to buy and more likely to buy again. So use descriptive colour names to improve your copy. But that's not all. Here's another bit of scientifically proven advice from Thomas. Another one, this is maybe not applicable to every product, but I'm sure many of you would have the opportunity to do this if, if you think it through a little bit more. And this is that you can use branded ingredients as parts or branded components as part of your product to make it much more attractive. I'll give you an example. Imagine you're selling a uh, a cake. If you start advertising that that cake, one of the ingredients is Nutella, which has huge brand recognition, your sales will most likely increase or become much more attract attractive. Uh, you're selling a smartphone, advertise that it has a Gorilla Glass, or you're selling another electronic device, mention that it has an Intel processor. In experiments, demand increased up to 40%, which is huge. So while it may cost you a bit more to include one of these branded ingredients, it might be worth it. This study, conducted by Turin in July 2021, found that 73% of people said they'd be willing to pay more for a product with a branded ingredient. In fact, participants said they'd be willing to pay 9% more for a pizza with Galbani mozzarella cheese than unbranded cheese. They said they were willing to pay 8% more for a lint chocolate brownie compared to an unbranded brownie. And participants bought 40% more smoothies at a cafe when they were branded as coming from love-struck ingredients. I think this is partly due to the halo effect. Most of us have a positive view of lint chocolate and will associate that positivity with the product it's matched with. 
I found a similar phenomenon with this podcast. When best-selling authors Dan Pink and Rory Sutherland came on the show, I decided to put their names in the episode title. This leveraged that same effect. So use descriptive colors, use branded or well-known ingredients, and where possible, describe your product in small units. Here's why. Another one is how do you describe the units or quantities of your product? And there's quite a lot of interesting research behind this, but here's the gist of it. On the one hand, you want to sound precise and use, let's say, smaller units. So let's say you are selling a service or delivering something within a certain time. You could say it's going to be three hours, or you could say it's going to be 180 minutes. Which one is better? 180 minutes makes you sound more credible. Uh, It sounds more trustworthy. It sounds more precise. So more likely that you will achieve that. Likewise, you could say, is my product a pack of soda or is it six cans of soda? At the same time, you also need to make sure that the measurement units are very easy to understand. So say you're selling detergent. Instead of saying, these are 200 grams of detergent, say that these are, this is worth 20 washes of detergent. Yeah. So try to rethink your product and what is a simple way and simple quantity that people can understand it. Try to be precise when you can, because that adds credibility and trust and people will be more likely to buy your products. So Thomas uses this himself to advertise his latest e-commerce playbook. He doesn't say he's analysed 74 different papers. He says he's analysed 1,200 pages of research. This doesn't just work in marketing, it affects all types of persuasion. In a 2011 study, researchers found that when hearing about a construction project, like a home renovation project, people expect 46% less delays when it's said to take 52 weeks rather than one year. Using smaller, more precise units makes your claim more believable. But be warned, the researchers state that the effect disappears if the receiver thinks the communicator isn't knowledgeable enough to give that level of precision or if they're not trustworthy. Now for Thomas's final bit of advice today, and it's probably the best bit of advice you'll hear. I see this this a lot sometimes, especially for more technical products that you may be tempted to start using complex, more technical words, or, you know, maybe as part of a menu in a restaurant, you you want to use more complex, rare words to describe your dishes. And you might think this makes you sound more sophisticated. Maybe in some cases it does, but stop doing it. It backfires. What happens is that the people will start to perceive your product as worse than what it actually is, and it will feel more expensive than what it actually is. So you'll be less likely to buy it. So keep your descriptions, keep the words you use very, very simple and easy to understand. And this is the general rule as marketers, which we need to follow. Always try to keep things as simple as possible. You know, we want to use that keep that mental processing that customers need to understand our products at a minimum at any time. And this is just one of the ways to do it. 
Now, I should mention that this isn't Thomas's opinion. It is, of course, backed by science. As Thomas has shared in his RE newsletter, this insight comes from a 2021 study in the Journal of Consumer Psychology. The study found that when people find words they don't understand in the name or description of a product, they expect its quality to be lower and price to be higher, reducing the purchase intent. For example, people expect a neck pillow to be 9% worse quality and 12.5% more expensive when it was preceded by a randomly generated meaningless word. In the study, it was a ZAL neck pillow. That meaningless word made the product appear worse quality. They found the same to be true for ballpoint pens and hand soap as well. I could have called this episode an illuminating exploratory muse about the effectiveness of modern messaging, but no one would have listened. Sticking to concrete phrases and simple language is proven to change customers' perception for the better. Okay, to sum up, we have heard how sticking to three main benefits makes a claim 10% more persuasive, how showing the costs boosts willingness to purchase by 22%. Plus, we've heard a bunch of copywriting advice on how colours should contain descriptive terms like cherry red, and ingredients should reference brands like Nutella filling. Where possible, we should use smaller units like 52 weeks over one year, and we should use simple, easy-to-understand language over verbose platitudes. I love this advice. Not only because it's interesting, but because it's reliable. It's backed by peer-reviewed studies from reputable journals. It is advice worth trying yourself. And if you want more practical advice like this, you should sign up to Thomas's newsletter. Here's why. Over 20,000 marketers get Ari's practical insights every week. And you can subscribe to the newsletter at no cost at ari.com. That's A-R-I-Y-H.com. Now, personally, I think Thomas should have said that 20,271 marketers subscribe to his newsletter, but I think I'm being a bit nitpicky there. If you want to sign up to Thomas's newsletter, there is a link to his website in the show notes. The colour of his website, by the way, is a lovely ivory white. Thomas will be back on Nudge in a few weeks with more golden practical marketing advice. So to make sure you don't miss it, follow or subscribe to Nudge wherever you're listening. And sign up to my newsletter. You'll get an email reminder every time an episode goes live, plus 52 behavioral science tips every year. Just head to nudgepodcast.com, click newsletter in the menu, and join 3,015 smart marketers who read the newsletter every week. As always, I'm your host, Phil Agnew, and I'll be back next week for another episode of Nudge. Cheers.